You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight, and we thank you and praise you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. Father, thank you for being so good to us, and Lord, we're just so grateful for this opportunity to gather together tonight. I thank you, Father, for the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, that we can base our entire lives upon your Word, and and, and the Word is alive, and it's food for our spirits, Lord, and we thank you for it. Father, I thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit tonight to teach us, to lead and guide us into all truth like Jesus said he would. And Father, we just praise you and love you. We believe to receive tonight, to be taught, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, everything sounds good right now, but if we start getting a lot of static, I'll have to mute so the um, recording doesn't get messed up. But all right, turn in your Bibles with me to Romans, the 10th chapter, and we'll go there, Romans chapter 10. And uh, I'm going to minister on something, teach on something tonight. I've taught on several times. I'm going to go over this again because next week, I think next week, if we get through with tonight, uh, what I want to talk about tonight, but if, if uh, eventually I want to get to how you can speed up your manifestation. Uh, when you pray and you believe God, there are things that we can do that can speed things up a little bit. So I'll co cover that, uh, but I needed to go over this material first as a point of review and just kind of get us all singing on the same sheet where uh, prayer is concerned. But tonight's lesson is called Seven Steps to Prayer that brings results. Seven steps to prayer that brings results. I don't know about you, but I like to get uh, some results out of my praying. I don't like to pray just to hear myself talk. Amen. So Brenda doesn't like to hear me talk either. But anyway. <laughs> I love hearing you talk. No, I'm just teasing because you ain't mean so good on when I said that. Yes. All right. So seven steps to prayer that brings results. So let's, here's number one. Let's, and I'll say this a couple of times so you can write it down. We'll probably spend a good portion of our time on this first thing. But number one is this, decide what you need or want from God and find scripture that definitely promises you these things. So decide what you want or need from God and find the scripture that definitely promises you these things. Okay. Anybody need it one more time? Yes. Okay. Decide what you want or need from God in other words, what, what are you praying about? And find scripture that definitely promises you those things. Okay. Now, I told you Romans 10, 17, but let's go, I, let's go and look at another scripture first. We'll get to Romans in just a second. But go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And I want to look at verses 14 and 15. 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 and 15. Now this is why our prayer must be based on the Word of God, okay? Uh, you know, you, you cannot pray beyond the Word of God. And this is where people miss it right off the bat is that they start praying and, and asking God for things that aren't promised to us in His Word. So we've got to base our prayer life on the Word of God and what God has said. So. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 says this, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, 
He hears us. So let's stop right there. Look at, at verse 14. It, you know, it implies that there's a possibility you could pray without confidence. And you know what? A prayer that is prayed without confidence and knowing that you have the answer is, is not a prayer that's worth praying. Okay? So what God wants us to do is to be able to pray and to know that the answer is ours. So he says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So how do we find out what is the first and primary way that we find out what the will of God is? And that is in the written word of God. Okay, so if it's, if it's in the written word of God, then we have a basis for our prayer and can base our prayer on that promise or that thing that is delegated to us in the word of God. All right, so um, look at verse 15. And if we know, well, first of all, let me back up again. We're dissecting this. This is a confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, or I'm going to say this, according to his word, he hears us. So I'm going to say something, and it's going to sound a little hard, but listen to it when I say it. Prayers that are prayed outside of the will of God, God doesn't hear. Okay? So when we pray things that aren't based on the will of God or the word of God, which is the same thing, then God doesn't hear those prayers. You know, there's people that pray unbelieving prayers all the time. And the fact of the matter is God doesn't hear those prayers. He hears prayers based on this verse that are prayed according to his will or his word. And then verse 15, and we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So let's play this out. Let's walk this equation out here. So first of all, if we find it in the word, we know that it's God's will. So then if we pray according to God's will, he hears us. And if he hears us, whatever we ask, it, we know that we have the things that we have asked of him. Okay, so here, here's the point that I'm trying to make is, is that you've got to base your prayer life on the word of God. It starts there first and foremost, okay? So you can't just jump out into things willy-nilly. You've got to base it on the word of God. Now, go over with me to Romans 10, 17. And I know these verses aren't anything new. You know, some of y'all could probably teach this, teach on these verses better than I could, but let's look at them anyway. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So, so we know now that we have to base our prayer on the word of God if we intend on God hearing it and answering it. And the, the reason being is because the word of God tells us what the will of God is. Okay. So you can't get beyond the will of God and expect your prayers to be answered. So Romans 10, 17 says this, and I'm going to shed some additional light on this verse that maybe you haven't heard before, but Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. Now we know this verse and I teach on this verse and I emphasize this verse a lot, but I want to add just a little extra something to it or a little additional light rather to it that I think will help us. And, and, and it's this, the, if you'll underline in that verse, the phrase word of God, those three words, word of God. Okay. Now this is, this is very important because you need to understand this so that you understand something else about faith. All right. And that, that is this, the phrase word of God in the Greek language is actually a rhema of God. And I'll explain that in just a second. All right. So what he said is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. Now in the Greek language, 
there are two words that are primarily translated word of God. There is the rhema, R-H-E-M-A, word of God, and there's the logos, L-O-G-O-S, word of God. Okay? Now, the word of God, logos, means an expression of thought. Okay? Just write that down, an expression of thought. A rhema, everybody with me so far? Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Okay. A rhema is the word the Holy Spirit quickens to you for a specific reason. All right, let me say that again. A rhema is the word of God. The Holy Spirit quickens to you for a specific reason or situation. One more time. A <coughs> rhema is the word of God. The Holy Spirit quickens to you for a specific reason or situation. All right, now, here, I'm going to explain the difference. Has everybody got those definitions down? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, one way to understand this, and I saw this in a commentary today, and I really liked it, to help you kind of understand the difference between the two, Logos is like a well of water. You know, where we, you, you have a well that, you know, a farm might work off of and so forth and so on. So it's a well of water. It's an unending source of water. A rhema is a bowl of water from that well. Okay. Logos is the well of water. It's the unending supply of water. But rhema is a bowl of water. And I'm going to add this to it that you need right now. Okay. And there's a reason why I'm emphasizing this. And, and that is this. Faith only comes from a rhema word of God and not a logos word of God. Now let me explain in, in real application what this means. I totally encourage everyone to participate in a Bible reading program on a regular basis, whether you read through the Bible every day, you know, read through the entire Bible for a year with doing it every day or some Bible reading plan that, that works for you. And I encourage everybody to do that. All right. Now that is Logos word, but a rhema word is a word that the Holy Spirit brings revelation to you on and it's specifically for a specific need or situation or something that you might be dealing with at that time. All right. So let me go back to my illustration. So I encourage everybody to have a Bible reading program. So I read through the Bible typically, unless the Lord tells me to do something else, I read through the Bible in the, in a year. So I've gone from Genesis to Revelation in that year, which is good, and, and, and we need to do things like that. But that word is not necessarily building faith in my heart per se, okay? Why? Because it doesn't have a specific quickening by the <laughs> Holy Ghost in my spirit, all right? Now listen to me carefully. I'm not saying it's not anointed. I'm not saying it's not inspired by the Holy Spirit. But how many of you have been facing a situation? You know, you had a need that you were facing or, or uh, you know, some type of, uh, of, of deal that you were going through. And you're just reading the Bible. And all of a sudden, something from that group of scriptures that you're reading mm -hmm. jumps out to you and brings an answer to you or causes something to be illuminated in your heart. 
Anybody ever experienced that before? Okay. Yes. That is a rhema word. Faith comes by the rhema word because there's revelation attached to it. There's light and illumination that comes in your spirit. Let me, let me broaden it out a little bit and use another example. Um, you know, I've been at this for a long time. I, I gave my heart to Christ in December of 1977, got turned on to the Word of God uh, in the early part of 1978, and have been in it ever since. So 40, what is that, 44 years ago, okay? And um, I knew about healing. I knew it was the will of God for me to be healed. But it took time and study and time in the Word for that light and that revelation to finally get down in my heart to where uh, I know it as much as I know my name, where you cannot talk me out of it. And I, I can, I wish I had made a note of when it was, but I didn't, but I can. I can almost pinpoint the time when that happened, when it finally clicked in my heart, the revelation of healing, that it was God's will for me to be healed. Now, I knew it here, but it finally clicked down here, all right? Same thing with the new birth. You might give your heart to Christ, and that's a great thing, and you should do it, but later on, there might be some revelation that comes to you about what you did when you gave your heart to Christ and what Jesus did for you and who you are in Christ as a result of that new relationship. Okay. I remember I, you know, I gave my heart to Christ in a denominational church years ago, but it was several years after that when I really began to learn who I am in Christ. Now, I was hearing the Word of God, but that Word, for whatever reason, uh, had not become revelation to me. But there was a moment when I began to learn who I am in Christ and revelation began to flow. That's when the Word of God goes from being a Logos to a Rhema Word. Is that making sense to you? Yes, okay. yes sir. All right. So the reason I'm saying this is you and I have to base our prayers on rhema word and not logos word. Okay? Why? Because it's the word that you know, and I mean intimately know, Jesus said, that's going to make the difference. Or he said it this way, it's, it's the truth that you know that will set you free. It's the truth that has become light and revelation to you that will cause the difference in your life, that will make you free. It's not just any truth from the Word. I mean, you know, like I said, you can spend days reading the Word of God, and you should. There's nothing wrong with that. But that might not necessarily specifically address what I need to pray about at that moment. What I need is a rhema word from heaven that that quickens and causes faith to arise in my heart so I can base my prayer on that. All right? Are you tracking with me? Yes. yes okay. So go over with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and verse 7. Now, I, I use this verse Sunday, uh, emphasizing the abiding part, but I want to uh, show you something else again in relation to prayer John chapter 15 and verse 7 he said if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you now what's interesting to me is this word for when Jesus said my words that's not logos that's rhema he said, if you abide in me and my rhema abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. 
Why did Jesus say that? Well, he's, he wanted us, of course, to abide in him, but he wanted us to abide in him to the point where the word starts becoming rhema to us and not just logos. Okay? Um, now, the reason you have to base your prayer life on a rhema word is because it has become revelation to you and therefore you now have faith to receive what it is that you're praying for. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in a little while with another point, but I want to say this. Don't be in such a hurry to pray unless it's an emergency situation. Take time to spend time in the Word to get the Word into your heart before you pray. Okay? Now, you know, I'm a big proponent. You've heard me say this before. Put the Word in your heart when you don't need it, and it will be there when you do. Okay? So here's what I mean by that. The best time to build faith in your heart for healing is when you're not sick, when you're not dealing with pressure and, and circumstances that are yelling at you that are contrary to the word that you're meditating and studying and getting down into your heart, all right? The best time to do that is when you really don't need it, is when you, um, you know, you're not sick, you're not facing any sickness or disease, Okay, the best time for you to build faith in your heart on the word concerning God's prosperity and provision is not when you're in financial trouble. Now, it's not impossible. You can do it. It's just harder. All right, it's more difficult. Why? Because you've got circumstances yelling at you, telling you you're not going to make it, telling you the word's not going to work this time, and all of that. The best time to build your faith is when you don't necessarily need it. Okay? All right? Now, um, the reason that we start out with the Word of God is this. How many of you know there's typically a time span between you pray and amen and the time the answer shows up? Amen. Okay? All right, here's why you need to base your prayer on the Word, because it's going to be the Word that's going to get you through between the amen and when the manifestation shows up. There is going to be a fight for your faith. And if you don't have your prayer based on the Word of God, you're not going to win the fight. And I can promise you, um, when you release your faith, and you, you stand on the Word of God, Satan is going to do everything he can to get you off of that Word. The Bible tells us that. All right, let me give you a couple of references. We won't turn there for the sake of time, but, but you remember when Jesus was tempted in Luke chapter 4, what was it that Jesus combated the devil with three times, every time? The Word of God. The Word of God, all right? He, he, of course, he is and was the Word, but he had built the Word into his heart to where he was able to overcome the enemy. You are not going to be able to overcome the enemy by having the Word here. You're going to overcome the enemy by having the Word here in your heart. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 says this, that we're to fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of, of many, uh, many witnesses. So you're going to have to deal with um, the pressure that comes at you to get you off of the Word. Go over with me uh, to Mark chapter 4 for a moment. Mark chapter 4. Now, we'll look at this again in just a moment, but I want to show you something. Now, this is um, the parable of the sower, and I want to read Mark 4, 13 
through 20. Mark 4, 13 through 20. And for those of you who are following along on my notes, I might kind of be jumping around a little bit just because of the way the Holy Ghost has directed me. So uh, you'll be okay. All right, Mark 4, verse 13, Jesus told the disciples, he had, he had taught the people, given this parable, and so when they got him alone, they asked him, explain the parable. And so he said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Verse 14, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So when does the devil come? Immediately. 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 Okay. So he's going to come immediately and try and take the word out of your heart. Verse 16. And these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, why did Jesus tell us that tribulation and persecution arises? What did he say in that verse? Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, Finish it. For the words. For the words. Say. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you get a revelation of something and you begin to act on that revelation from the word and you begin to pray and stand in faith, the devil is going to come and try and attack that word that you have in your heart. Because he knows that if he can cause you to stumble and get that word out of your heart, then you don't have any basis for your prayer. You don't have any basis of anything to stand on. So the first thing he's going to do is come at you. If you've made it this far in the process of sowing, I mean, receiving the word and so forth, he's going to try and generate that tribulation or persecution for the word's sake to get you to stumble. And this is where a lot of believers... Um, falter at this point is because they, they're not prepared for that and and they do stumble. Well, I'm going to team up with Jesus here and I'm going to tell each and every one of us, listen, tribulation and persecution is coming when you decide to stand on the word of God. Now, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but it's just the truth. All right. So know it. Now, Jesus didn't tell us stuff like that so that we could be concerned and afraid. He tells us things like that so that we can be prepared ahead of time. All right, so let's go on. Verse 18, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100. All right? Now, let, this brings us to point number two. And this is the one and two are tied together. Number two is this. Meditate constantly on the promises upon which you based the answer to your prayer. Let me say it again. Meditate constantly on the promises upon which you based the answer to your prayer. One more time. Meditate constantly on the promises upon which you based the answer to your prayer. In other words, the scriptures that you looked up and you found for whatever your need is or whatever your situation is, spend time meditating on those scriptures. Now, this is so very important, and this is why I made the statement to you, don't be in such a hurry to pray. Do step number one, find the scriptures, and then step number two is spend time meditating on them before you pray. 
Take the time to get that word down in your heart. Take the time to get it in you so when you pray, you're ready and you're prepared. Now, here's why I went to Mark chapter 4, and uh, I had intended to do it in this point, but look at verse 16 in Mark 4 again. Now, I want you to pay attention to the details here. Notice every one of these people heard the same word. All of them did. Every person heard the same word. Okay? Now, notice the response was not based on the word. It was based on the heart of the people and what was going on with the people. So it wasn't like in each one of these different situations or different types of soil, they heard a different word. Everybody heard the same word. Every, the seed was sown, the same seed was sown all on, on the different types of soil. Now, this will explain to you what Jesus is teaching us here is how people can sit in a church service and hear the same word and some walk out and say, you know what, I didn't get anything out of that message. Other people walk out and said, you know, wasn't that word good? Some people say, you know, I just didn't really understand that word. It's the same word went forth, but the soil is all different. So let's look at this again. Uh, in verse 15, well, 14, the sower sows the word. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These are the people that hear the word of God and it has no or little or no effect on them whatsoever because the enemy is able to come immediately and take the word out of their heart. The second group of people, are these are likewise, are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They get excited about the word that they've heard. But, verse 17, they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Okay? A large portion of people fit right here. They get excited about the word that they've heard. They know it's the truth. They know it can change their life. So they, you know, they, they, they receive it, but they don't allow the word to get rooted in their heart, okay? And because they don't, when the pressure comes, they only endure a short period of time. Now, we want to be people that allow the word to get rooted deep in our hearts because we know that that tribulation and that persecution's coming. So if we get the word rooted in our heart, we're going to endure for how long? Till we get through the tribulation and persecution. Mm -hmm. That's the key, is being, being rooted or having the, the word of God rooted in your heart so that you can endure the pressure that comes. And there will be pressure that comes. So how do you get the word rooted into your heart? By spending time meditating on it. Now, somebody, could somebody tell me, give me a definition of what meditating in the word is? Mumbling the word over and over to yourself. Yep, that's part of it. Huge part of it. But Which, you, also, well, you also have to think on these things. Yeah. Well, thinking and the muttering is what goes hand in hand. Yeah. Okay, because you, if you're muttering it, you're thinking about it. All right? So the biggest thing is just to be pondering it, like Judy said, going it over it and over it and over it again um, to, to extract all of the revelation that the Holy Ghost needs you to have or wants you to have in that moment. See, what you need to understand is... Um, Reading the word is wonderful. Memorizing chapters at a time is wonderful. But you can't meditate on chapters at a time. You can only meditate on very small portions at a time, probably just a verse at a time. 
And so what we're better off doing is, again, you found those promises, those things from the Word of God pertaining to how you need to pray about your situation, then you need to be uh, thinking about one or two of those promises over, going over and over and over them in your heart repeatedly, like Judy said, muttering them to yourself, just saying them to yourself, thinking about them all the time, okay? Because what you're doing is you're allowing that word to become go from logos to rhema, and it will get rooted down in your heart. Now, again, the reason that we have to get it rooted in our heart is because Jesus already promised us that tribulation and persecution is coming because of the word. So we need to know that pressure is coming to get me off of what I believe. So I need to be doing what I need to do to get that word rooted down in my heart to where it's, a, it's established in my heart. So again, Jesus said in verse 17 that these people don't have any root in themselves and so endure only for a time. So, you know, go, dropping down to verse 20, the implication then is these are the ones sown on good ground who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. These are the people that heard the same message as everybody else. They received it and they spent time in it. They processed it. They went over and over and over. They muttered it to themselves so that it could get rooted down in their hearts and has time to produce fruit in their lives. Okay? Now, Brad, yes, ma'am. Have you ever heard Copeland talk about how he goes in and he, he in different places and he plays over in his mind, puts himself in the place of each character yeah. and looking at the story, that would be another way to. Yeah, absolutely. Like reading the gospels, you know, he doesn't read it like a fairy tale. He reads it as though he's standing there watching these things transpire. Uh, and sometimes he puts himself in the position of the one that's being ministered to by Jesus. And so, you know, it, it enables him to build that image into his, his heart of what actually is going on. And what that does is that facilitates, again, the Holy Spirit to bring that revelation, uh, you know, because, you know, as I tell you guys all the time, Jesus is all about details, okay? He doesn't do random. He doesn't do accidental. So the, the way that you're going to extract those details is by going over it over and over and over again and picturing yourself there in the middle of that situation and paying attention to those things, okay? So that truly is causing that word to get rooted on the inside of you. Now, I looked up that phrase in verse 17, they endure for a time. What that means in the Greek language is this, that their belief is transient or temporary, it means that the pressure got so great that they quit believing the word. Okay? That's a very dangerous position to be in. You never want to be in a position where the devil can generate enough pressure on you that you'll quit believing the word and go back to what you've always done or what you've always believed. You're going to have to outlast him. You're going to have to out-endure him. Okay? And I'll tell you, he's persistent but you're going to have to be more persistent, okay? So keep the Word of God in your thinking. Keep it in your mouth. And I'm just talking about, you know, I've used this illustration a million times before, but like a, chow, a cow chewing its cud, you're just going over it and over it and over it, trying to extract everything from it. Now, I'll tell you, the best verses to do this with are the ones you don't understand, okay? It, like if you find a verse... Uh, in Proverbs or something that makes no sense to you, or, or maybe going back to the Gospels, a, a word, a, a little portion of Scripture that Jesus said that is it just doesn't make sense to you. Now, there's some things you can do to study. You can get some context. You can get some historical context and things like that. But um, take one verse and then begin to meditate on that verse and ask the Holy Ghost, Lord, I know 
there is something you're wanting me to get out of this verse. What is it? And go over it and over it and over it. And, and sooner or later, the Holy Ghost will get through to you that revelation. And at the moment that he does that, that word has become rhema to you and is now down in your heart. Okay. I can't emphasize this enough. It's the word in our heart that makes the difference, not the word in your head. It's Amen. great to have the word in your head, but you don't believe with your head. You believe with your heart. Romans chapter 10 says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Okay, so you don't think your way into faith. You believe with your heart in faith. So we need to allow the Holy Spirit to be able to get these things down into our heart. Now, here's another way that you do it. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Again, these are all familiar things, but I, I needed to relay this groundwork again. Proverbs 4, verse 20. Proverbs 4 and verse 20. He said this, Solomon writing, said, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. What he's saying there is, you're going to have to, you and, excuse me, you and I are going to have to give our attention to the word. That doesn't mean we don't give other stuff our attention, but I'm just saying the degree of attention that you give to the word is demanded by the degree of your need. Okay. Let me say that again. Let me reverse it. The degree of your need determines the attention that you need to give the Word of God. Great need, great attention. Little need, maybe not so much attention. Wouldn't hurt you <laughs> to give great attention, all right? So let's go on. He says, incline your ear to my sayings. You know, that always, early on, uh, you know, kind of bothered me, that phrase, incline your ear. Um because I inclined to me always meant like, I, I, and I had it wrong, but it, I, I would picture a recliner. You know what a recliner is? Mm -hmm. You know, some of us have them in our home. All right. But this word is incline. A recliner leans you back mm -hmm. away from something. To incline yourself means you lean into it. So mm -hmm. what he's saying here is give attention to my words lean in so you can hear my sayings. Now, um, God doesn't yell at us. The Bible says that he, that he speaks to us in a still, small voice. Not that his voice is small in, in scope, but he doesn't yell. So there are going to be times when you and I have to act as an act of our will, lean in to hear what he's saying. You ever been in a, a noisy place like a restaurant or something and there's a group of people sitting at your table and the person is sitting right next to you talking to you and, and because of all the noise and the restaurant and the other conversations that are taking place, you have a hard time hearing that person. What is it that we do? We lean over and incline ourselves. We get closer to them so we can hear what they're saying. And sometimes Amen. you and I are going to have to do that where the Word of God is concerned and the Holy Spirit is concerned because you're going to have to maybe isolate yourself a little bit. I mean, in the sense of we're leaning away from all the other noise and we're leaning towards the source that's trying to speak to us. Now, here's something else uh, that I want to remind you of, and that is this. God is always speaking. We are not always listening. Mm -hmm. Okay. God is always speaking. He, he is always broadcasting. We not, might not be tuned in, uh, you know, and, and some younger folks might not understand that because I'm talking about pre MP3 players and all that kind of stuff back when you had a radio. All right. But you know what I'm saying? is that he is broadcasting all the time. He's trying to help us. He's trying to talk to us. 
And sometimes we're going to have to do the tuning to get it to where we can hear and perceive what the Spirit of God is saying to us. I'll say this to you. When you're in a crisis situation, the Holy Spirit is trying to get help to you. He's not withholding information from you. He's trying to get revelation over to you. But we're going to have to posture ourselves so that we can hear and receive that revelation, that, that answer that we need from him. Okay? So let's go on. Do not, verse 21, do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep or guard your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left and remove your foot from evil. Now, here's something else meditation does. Meditation enables you to see yourself with the answer. Meditation mm -hmm. enables you to see yourself with the answer. So, you know, if I'm dealing with sickness and disease in my body and I am meditating on the word concerning my healing, then what I will begin to do, and I'll prove it to you in just a second, you'll begin to see yourself experiencing whatever the word says about you. Okay. All right. Let me show you. Look at, go back in the Old Testament to Joshua chapter one, verse eight. You know this verse, Joshua chapter one and verse eight, Joshua one, eight, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it when you feel like it. What does it say? Meditate in it when? Day and night. Pretty much sounds like all the time, as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So look, look at why you do this. So that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. So let's, let's break that phrase down. So that you might observe. What does it mean to observe? to see, okay? So he says, don't let the word depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night so that you can see yourself doing all that is written in it. For when you do that, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. So meditating in the word facilitates you being able to see yourself doing and experiencing the Word of God. Okay? All right. Now, if I'm going to give you a little, little tidbit here, and that is this. If in this process you don't see yourself with the answer, then the Word is no longer before your eyes. Okay? I'll say that again. If you get mm -hmm. to the point that you no longer see yourself with the answer, then you've taken the word from before your eyes. You've begun to put your attention on something else. All right, now, I wanna to get to this next point, and man, time flies when you're having fun, okay? okay. Last hour. I know. Look at, uh, let's go to uh, number three. So again, we've, we've search the scripture. We have found out what the word says. We give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to cause that word to become a rhema down on the inside of us so that faith can arise in our hearts. Number three is this. You pray or ask, however you want to say it. You pray and believe that you receive the answer. Pray and believe that you receive them or receive the answer. Now I want to go over to Mark chapter 11. And again, I, I want to help us with this. 
Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus said this, Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, in my New King James Bible, the word them is italicized meaning it was added at the privilege of the translators. So let me say it to you this way. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. Okay, let me say it again. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and I've said this before, but I'm going to make a statement that's going to take a lot of pressure off of you, all right? Understand there is a difference between receiving the answer and manifestation. Jesus never told you to believe for the manifestation. You want me to tell you why? You don't have the capacity to believe for the manifestation. What you do have the capacity to believe for is that you receive the answer. See, here's the challenge, and this is what God had to, the Spirit of God had to kind of um, adjust my thinking a little bit on, just, you know, tweaks like he does every now and then. Manifestation is not your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so much of the time, we try and help God out with his part. Manifestation is God's part. And he never told us to believe for the manifestation. And so much of the time in our faith walk, we struggle because we're trying to believe God for the manifestation. That's not what he said to believe for. He said, believe that you receive the answer. Receiving, believing that you receive is a whole lot easier than believing for the manifestation. Because let me explain it to you this way. God did not give us faith and the ability to use our faith because faith can produce manifestation. Faith can't produce manifestation. Only the power of God can produce manifestation. What God gave us faith for is to receive, to open the door for the power of God to work and cause manifestation. Now, it might sound like I'm nitpicking here, but but, but we need to get real specific with this because I think a lot of times we have worn ourselves out faith-wise trying to believe God for the manifestation when that's not what we're supposed to be believing God for. We're supposed to believe that we receive. See, receiving is an act of your heart. Receiving is a decision that you make based on what you see in the Word of God. Manifestation is God's responsibility that he does in response to our faith. All right. Let me. um, Yes, sir. When we pray, aren't we supposed to visualize and see ourselves as actually receiving that healing? Yes. But receiving and manifesting are two different things. See, we thought that the responsibility was ours and on our faith to, uh, to believe it through all the way to manifestation. What God says is, I just need you to believe that you receive it. Let me handle the manifestation. Is that making sense? Yeah. You know? Okay, let me say it to you another way. What we kind of thought we had to do was pray receive the answer and until we get the manifestation okay be kind of graphic but you know what i'm saying all right that's not what jesus said because it doesn't we can't muster up enough faith to cause the manifestation only the power of god can cause the manifestation what jesus said for us to do is just simply receive the answer believe that we have the answer that we've received it by faith and that the it's it's up to the word of god and the power of god to produce the manifestation 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I think we have worn ourselves out trying to believe God for the manifestation when all Jesus said is believe that you receive it. And and that is (laughs) that's one of those fine line things, but it's a big issue. Yeah. And and I believe that's why the the spirit of God kind of dealt with me on that was, you know, there have been things like with the church where, you know, we've had a need or something like that. And I've prayed and I've believed God and I've stood in faith and was trying to use my faith to generate the manifestation. That's not my responsibility. My faith is just to simply believe that we receive the need met and let God handle the manifestation. And I'm telling you, and I know it, it, I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. It takes so much pressure off of us because the manifestation is not dependent on you. It's dependent on God. All God is looking for is a faith door to step in and to walk through. And when we believe in that we receive it, that's that faith door. Okay. Uh, you know, and I so appreciate the way Jesus said this. You know, he said that he did not say whatever things you ask when you pray, believe for the manifestation of it and you'll have it. He said, believe that you receive it. See, receiving is something that happens in your heart. Manifestation is something that happens out here. And Jesus never told us to believe for stuff out here to change. He said, just receive it in your heart and then this will change. What we're literally doing, have been doing, is works. Yeah. By saying that over and over, we feel like we're going to cause it to come come yeah. forth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Now, there, there is a, you know, as, as we've taught, a confession unto faith and a confession of faith, which, you know, we need to do that. But the, the fact of the matter is when it comes down to that moment and it's time to pray, what Jesus told us to do is pray and believe that we receive the answer and then the having the answer is up is is God's deal that's his responsibility okay so that makes it easier for us to move over into praise and thanksgiving for the answer because we've received it you know listen and also it frees you up from trying to figure out how God's going to do it or maybe trying to influence how God's going to do it. Mm. You know, telling God this is kind of the way. You got something to say, Mom? It Well, in, in the Amplified, it says believed, and then parentheses, trust and be confident that it is granted to you. Yeah. Well, the, you know. And just, that, a, just takes you know, a that goes back to first John that we read at the beginning. That's the confidence that we have that if he's heard our prayer, we have the answer. So believing that we receive the answer is easier than trying to believe that we have the manifestation of the answer. I hope, I hope this is making sense to you because I think it's a little tweak that if we'll make this in our hearts, it makes the life of faith so much easier. Whereas, you know, before, or, you know, as, as Alan said, you know, we thought that there was something we had to muster up in order to get the manifestation to happen. That's not my responsibility. I'm not, I I can't do God's job. It's enough for me to do mine, but you know, I can't do his part in, in doing the work or whatever's necessary to cause that need to be met or whatever the case is. Because here again, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll just tell them myself, you know, if, if the church is facing a need and I pray and I believe God for that need, but I'm trying to believe for the manifestation of that need, then I'll try to start figuring out how uh, I might be able to work with God to kind of help that happen or looking at the people to be our source or something along that line. God never said for me to do any of that. All he said for me to do was to pray and to believe that we receive the answer and leave it at that 
then in my heart, I know we have the answer, but it's up to God how, uh, you know, he chooses to work it out, how he chooses to meet that need. So the only work that we have to do is what you were saying earlier is keeping the word in front of our eyes so that we don't slide off from the receiving uh, receiving. Yeah. 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 So we stay in the saddle, so to speak, uh, where receiving is concerned. And that's where, like I said, just a moment ago, that the, the praise and thanksgiving comes in, you know, is thank you, Lord. I believe I received the answer in Jesus name, not thank you, Lord. I have a thousand dollars. No, thank you, Lord. I believe I received the need met or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we're not, we're not trying to help God do his part, okay? And, and I, I'm telling you, as far as me, what from uh, my faith life is concerned, that little adjustment has helped me tremendously because it's taken a lot of pressure off of me, put the pressure over on the Word of God and on God, and then my responsibility from that point on is to just praise and thank God for the answer. Thank you, Lord. I believe we received the answer in Jesus' name, whatever that might be. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.